a message that's born out of a, a word that God started speaking in my heart, oh, probably around the middle of February. And uh, we grow in our revelation of the things of God. You know, we go from glory to glory. And the way we go from glory to glory is having a greater revelation of what the word of God says and what it means in our own personal life. And I don't know about your life, but at times, you know, there's things that happen in our lives that uh, we look in the word of God and we see something that has been in there all along. We might have read it before, but suddenly it comes alive on the inside of us and it becomes what I like to say. It's mine. You know, it's mine now. I believe it. I receive it. But, you know, when God does give us a revelation, it's so exciting because it, it brings new life to us. It, it brings something on the inside of us that Jesus said, I have come to give you life and to give it to you more abundantly. And that's kind of what revelation does. It just grows and grows and grows. And uh, I, I read through the Bible every year. I encourage all of you, uh, even if you get behind, get the Bible reading plan and do the best you can. I mean, take a shot at it because there's something about the word of God going in, even on the days when, you know, truthfully, I couldn't tell you all that I read, but it's hidden in my heart. And the Bible says in Psalm 119, it'll come back and it's in there so that I might not sin against God. It's kind of a, uh, a guide from the inside of right and wrong. And it just makes such a difference. And I also read this little book called, um, Faith to Faith by Kenneth Copeland. And uh, I gave this book to the congregation one year on my birthday because I was so sure that it would change the lives of anyone who would daily, everybody say daily, just take a minute. It's just a very short teaching. And we have them in the, in the bookstore if you'd like to have them. But as I was going along in just my daily reading and reading the Word of God, I came across on February 8th uh, a message about tithing, really. But what it was was about the land of milk and honey. And it said, uh, the Lord, this is Brother Copeland, the Lord brought us forth out of Egypt with a mighty hand, with an outstretched arm and with great terribleness and with signs and with wonders. And he has brought us into this place and has given us this land, even a land that flows with milk and honey. And as I read that, the Spirit of the Lord just in my heart said, you live there. I thought, well, you know, I never think about living in the land of milk and honey. I, I live in a housing addition called the sanctuary that God put me in, which I thought was pretty appropriate. I mean, he found the house, and we were here in this church, and I'm in the sanctuary a lot, and he gave me a house in the sanctuary. So, you know, I've seen God do things that supernaturally I know he knows my name. He knows where I am. You don't want to miss the next two Sundays, because Pastor John's preaching on He Knows Our Name. And that is so important. I want to give you tonight uh, a background or a foundation, if you will, for why you are so valuable in the earth today for the kingdom of God. And, uh, and as I was looking at this, it says, thank him for delivering you from a land of darkness and scarcity and bringing you into his promised land of plenty. And God began to speak to me. He said, you live in the land of plenty. Well, you know, how many of you don't always feel like you're in the land of plenty? But, you know, that, that was like, I understand that because and I'm not tonight able to share some of the things. But over the last six months, God has blessed me abundantly in many areas of my life. I'm going to write a book when it gets all done. I just, I don't feel at liberty to share it all yet. But I can tell you, God is faithful to what he says he will do. And, and when you want to walk at the level you need to walk to walk with him 
in your life, wherever that is right now, when you say yes, he will begin to move on your behalf and prove himself like you have never seen before. But it is a step that we have to take. And as I got this, this just another revelation again of how good God is and how he's placed me in this land of plenty. Well, I went on, and uh, as you're reading in the Old Covenant, you know, um, everything is about God's going to give you. God's going to give you. God's going to give you the land. God's going to give you the land. God's going to give you the land. That's what he said to Abraham. That's what he said to Isaac. That's what he said to Jacob. He continued to say that until the very day that he gave it to Joshua. And so we've talked a lot about going over and possessing the land. So all these things are like brewing on the inside of me. And uh, I got to March 12, and it says, as your soul prospers. And I know that scripture. Beloved, I wish above all things that you may prosper, prosper, everybody say prosper, and be in health even as your soul prospers. And in this particular part, uh, Brother brother Copeland said, no, he's going to do it by prospering your soul. You know, sometimes we think God's just going to throw everything we need at us. But your soul is not your spirit. See, your spirit is connected to God, so it's okay. Your soul is your mind, your will, your emotions, your intellect. And so he's going to prosper us as our soul. Everybody touch your head. Everybody say this. When this thing gets the revelation of what my heart knows, the devil is finished and I am in victory. And that's the truth. You see it in your life gradually, line upon line. Well, this just started really stirring my heart. And he began to talk about how Joseph, you know, in the middle of all those things he went through, he knew. Everybody say he knew what God had told him, and he never let go of it. He never let go of it no matter what he faced. And God began to say to me, if you will do what I tell you, you're going to see what I've promised. And uh, sometimes we go through new levels where it's hard to do what God tells us. I think that's true with anybody, whether you're the pastor, whether you're sitting in the congregation, whoever you are. As I got to March 30th, this is what I, this is just right now, but I'm a few days ahead. He says, dig into your covenant. Everybody say, dig into your covenant. And this is the scripture. This cup is the new covenant ratified and established in my blood. Now, you know, for right now where we're at, we're just about to Palm Sunday. Next week's Holy Week. You know, we talk about, you know, Jesus' death and his resurrection. But he says the new covenant's a familiar phrase to most of us, but do we really know what it means? And we're going to talk about this in just a minute. And I'm going to share something tonight. When you leave here, you will be shouting the victory. Everybody say shouting. Now, I don't mean just, oh, that was nice. No, you'll be shouting the victory. Hallelujah. This is what it says. Now, we don't because if we did have this revelation, every one of us would be a faith giant. Instead of struggling, trying to believe the promises of God, we'd be like Abraham, strong in faith, fully persuaded that what God had promised, he was able, everybody say able, also to perform. That's the kind of confidence that welled up in Abraham when God cut the covenant with him. It was an inferior covenant to ours, but with the blood of animals, yet it transformed a doubting Abraham into the very father of faith. How many of you like to be transformed tonight? Why? Because Abraham understood the significance of it. He got a revelation of God and who he was. He knew that entering into the covenant of blood meant you were totally and forever giving yourself away to someone else. What does it say in scripture? That we have to lay down our life and take up the cross and follow him. But, but this is a good thing. And it says, once, once you did it, nothing would ever be exclusively yours again. Everybody say, thank God. Thank 
My bills are not exclusively mine. Isn't that good news? I mean to tell you, that is good news. Why? Because of covenant. We're going to see this in a minute. And he goes on and says, all that you were, all that you had or ever would have, be- would have become or would have became the equal property of your covenant partner. So with Jesus, all the blessings and all the bills and everything, it's a joint agreement between you and God. God knows where you are. This is so important tonight because things that look impossible to you when you understand covenant become possible because he is able. Everybody say he's able. He's able, and he's able to make it happen. During the covenant ceremony in Abraham's day, and listen to this, the partners exchanged coats, each one giving their authority to the other. The coat represented authority. They exchanged weapons as a way of saying, your enemies are now my enemies. The, the forces of evil that are against you today are against God because you're in covenant with him. And who do you think is going to win? That's pretty weak. God. Everybody say God. So if God wins and you're in covenant with him, guess what? You win. And then it goes on and it says, your enemies are now my enemies. I'll fight your fights as if they were my own. They walk through the blood of slain animals, pronouncing their loyalty one another, with one another, even unto death. Abraham knew there was no longer any room for doubt. God had proven how intensely he desired to be God with him. Isn't that good? I mean, I was just about to jump and shout and run through the park and read this to everybody. It convinced him once and for all that God's promises could be trusted. It became an anchor to his soul. And I was thinking about being in a boat. You know, and you throw the anchor over. I'm telling you, the boat didn't go anywhere, but sometimes it goes round and round (laughs) because there's waves and things that happen. But just because you're going round and round does not mean that you are not set in the place that God puts you. You are anchored to the Lord Jesus Christ, to God the Father, and the Holy Ghost is in you, and you are victorious. Everybody say, praise God. Hallelujah. Well, I'm excited tonight. You know, I always get excited around Easter because every time I go through Lent, God teaches me something. And this is what he taught me this time is this very thing. I am living in the land of milk and honey. Now you can join me or you can stay over there. But I decided I am living over here where I've been put. And that means I'm going to have to do some things in order to possess what I have inherited. And I looked over my life, and God showed me, you've possessed some things. But he began to speak to me, and I'm going to share this with you tonight. But first, go to Genesis 1. I'm not going to teach the whole Bible. But quickly, I'm going to show you what this means to be in covenant. Everybody say covenant. Because this is the foundation of why you're victorious. There is no other reason you're victorious other than what God has done for you through Jesus Christ. But we'll start. It says, in the beginning, God. Everybody say, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. This is what it says about God. His realm or scope of his rule is transcendent. That is, not only does it include the entire physical universe, but it exceeds it. Now, listen, you've got to think about this. This is how big God is. Everybody say how big God is. But what did we say? You're in covenant with this big God. And then it goes on and says that um, the next thing is his reign or his power by which he rules is exercised by his will, his word, and his works. And thirdly, his regency or authority to rule. Everybody say authority to rule. That is in his pre-existence and holiness because he was the first. 
the first, the beginning. And then it says, all kingdom, power, and authority flow from him. But then here's another revelation. Look at John 1. Do you have that up there? John 1, 1. In the beginning, everybody say, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. And it goes on to say later, the word was made flesh. Would you put verse 2 up? The word was Jesus. Everybody say Jesus. So in the beginning was God. In the beginning was Jesus. He was in the beginning with Who was he with? He was there. It goes on to say that all things were created through him. If all things were made through him and without him, nothing was made that was made. You've heard of the Trinity, right? I'm giving a little teaching on the Trinity. Okay. Genesis 1, 2. Let's go back to Genesis 1, 2. Who else was there? It says the earth was without form and void and darkness was on the face of the deep and the spirit of God. Everybody say the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was, why? Because of the power that his words produced at the direction the Holy Spirit moved and things changed. Everybody say things changed. And so this is, you know, your covenant connection, so to speak, I call it, is with God the Father, Jesus the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen? Is this exciting? Oh, I'm going to be excited to the end. And I know you'll be right with me by the time I get there. Okay, now, in, in Genesis 1.26, we know the word of God says, let's make man in our image. In our image, whose image would that be? God, the Father, Jesus, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So they're all there. And then it goes on and it says, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. We used to say you have authority over all the creeps. And then it says that he made them male and female. And in 28, then God blessed them. God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Everybody say that was the plan. Now, man was involved in this. Man was involved because God created man in the garden too. So father, son, Holy Spirit, everything in the earth and Man. Now I want to read to you what this Bible says in a commentary. It says, man is a spiritual being, is a spiritual being who is not only body, but also soul and spirit. But where is it that God wants us to prosper in our soul as, you know, we, we prosper in our life as our soul prospers. And then it goes, capacity and ability constitute accountability and responsibility. We should never be pleased to dwell on a level of existence lower than that on which God has made it possible for us to dwell. Everybody say, I'm going to be there. Because this is important. What is about to take place, when you get a revelation of covenant, that changed my life forever. I was never the same once I got a revelation of covenant. And I, and I didn't really get that revelation until we started this church and I started teaching on covenant. And I would get myself so excited. Bill, you were in that class, I think. I had, you, you were excited by it. We were all excited. And we're Christians for a long time. You can be a Christian for a long time, but till you get this, till you actually see yourself hooked up with God the Father, Jesus the Son, and the Holy Ghost, when that becomes a revelation, these things are possible because you recognize it is not me, it is him, but for sure I'm going to win. Absolutely, without a doubt. And so I read in Genesis 15 when he cut the covenant, when God cut the covenant with Abraham, right before he cut it, in verse 6 of Genesis 15, it says, and he believed in the Lord. That would be Abraham. Everybody say Abraham. And he accounted it to him for righteousness. 
Now, let me show you the same thing in the new covenant. What does it say in Romans 9 and 10? This is what it says, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and what's that word? And what? What did Abraham do? Believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead. You will be saved. Then it goes on and it says in 2 Corinthians 5.21 that because you're saved, because you're a new creation, you are the righteousness of God through Christ Jesus. It says, for he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ. The old covenant Abraham believed and God covenant with him, and it was accounted as righteousness. In the new covenant, which we are in, we believe, we confess with our mouth, and we are counted as righteous. Same process. Everybody say same process. Because God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Turn to your neighbor and say, I am in covenant. You are in covenant, and when you are in covenant, things happen. Now, that 1 Corinthians 11.25 in the Amplified that I read from uh, what Brother Copeland wrote, knew the new covenant, when Jesus said, this cup is the new covenant, he was saying a very important thing to those people. He's saying it is ratified. Everybody say ratified. The Bible says he fulfilled, and he established that covenant with his blood. Everybody say his blood. Now, I'm giving you this background because some of you have got some things you need, to, you need to take authority over. You have some things in your life that when you celebrate Easter, you ought to be shouting the victory. Hey, this is coming to pass because I have a revelation of what happened. You know, this is more than just I'm going to sing up from the grave he arose. This is up from the grave you arose. That makes that song a lot more exciting. Now, you probably don't even know that song. I'm older, and we used to, I used to play it on the pipe organ. Man, that was really fun. Low in the grave he lay. Real quiet. Jesus, my Savior. And then I go, up from the grave. I mean, I hit all the stops on that organ. I mean, you'd have thought, you'd have thought the thing was going to blow up. I was so excited. I've always been excited when I worship. And so I didn't even know the Holy Ghost back then, but I had Jesus shooting out of that grave. I mean, I had him coming up. I didn't even know who he was for sure, but by golly, he was on the rise. <laughs> and so, you know, I, I was so ignorant that I even said, could we cut out those blood songs? Because they really are gory. That is stupidity right there. But I didn't know about the blood. Everybody say the blood. And so I had no idea what Jesus did. I got him up out of the grave with a big shout, but I had no idea what had happened for me. I'm telling you, you've been resurrected. You have been resurrected. You are alive unto Christ. You are walking in agreement with a living God who is powerful and mighty, and he has things for you. So it says in Hebrews 10, if you'll turn there real quick, this is the, the book that God took me through. You need to read it before, between now and Easter. It'll tell you what happened. It says in verse 10, one, I can't teach all this tonight, but real quickly, the law having a shadow of good things to come and not the very image of the things, can never with these same sacrifices, which they offer continually year by year, make those who approach perfect. What does that mean? Adam and Eve sinned. And when they did, God had to make a sacrifice. There had to be blood. That's why they, they took those leaves away from them when they were naked and put skins on them. The skins represented that God had sacrificed an animal and blood had been shed. But see, that blood, every year they had to go, and they had so many sacrifices. Have you read the Old Covenant? I mean, it was just a bloody mess all the time. I mean, they had to sacrifice so many things to fix their life. 
continually. Everybody said continually. But it says in verse 4 of, of chapter 10, but it was not possible that the blood of bulls and goats could take away sins. So in verse 9, this is Jesus. It said, he said, behold, I've come to do your will, O God. And he takes away the first that he may establish. Everybody say establish. Establish the second. Why? Because of his blood. By that will we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. What was that? Oh, it's okay. It's just a phone. Hallelujah. I thought we need to drop and roll. Hallelujah. Or something. Sounded like a bomb a threat, you know. I don't know. Glory to God. Okay. So, did you get that? It's his blood. Everybody say his blood. He had perfect blood. He was conceived by the Holy Ghost in Mary. Now, you know what? What is just so unreal to me is why people uh, don't believe God wants to be uh, with us. Why he doesn't want to hook up as a team with us and do what he wants to do in the earth. I mean, he could have sent Jesus by a jet. He could have dropped him out of heaven, but he chose to put him in the earth as a human through a woman. Blood. Everybody say blood. And that, that boy had perfect blood, but he shed that perfect blood so that you could have a perfect way into the holy of holies, into Jesus, into what you have need of, into the power of the living God. And because of that, today we walk with great authority. Everybody say great authority. We're not the people looking for, for our victory. We have the victory. You know, we're just letting the devil know we are in charge. The gates of hell, it says in Matthew 16, shall not prevail against the church. Why? Because we are in covenant. Everybody say covenant. Covenant with the most high God. It goes on to say there that uh, because of what Christ did, he says their sins and their lawless deeds, I'll remember no more. Now where there is a remission of these, there is no longer an offering for sin. All of the sacrifices stopped the day Jesus was sacrificed for me and for you. Can you say praise God? I mean, that's exciting. Sin has been defeated in its power over your life. Now, you can still sin because we have a will. We can choose to do what we want. But the power, you know, when somebody says, I couldn't help myself. Well, you might not have wanted to help yourself because the Bible says with God's help, we can do all things. We can do it. And so we can make that way. Now, when I begin to think about this authority to possess and God began to speak to me, he took me to Genesis and, uh, and it says, or in Deuteronomy, everybody say Deuteronomy. Now, this is the second generation of, of Israel that gets to go into the promised land. We are going into the promised land in this church. I mean, God is going to explode what he has already begun. He's, he's going to take it to another level. He's, say that, another level. He always does this. He takes us from glory to glory. And it says in Deuteronomy, and I'm looking at uh, chapter 7. And this is what it says. And, and I, I said a little bit of it on Sunday because he's been giving me this in the offerings. See, God said, I, I didn't choose you in verse 7. I didn't, I didn't choose you because you were so many in number, because you were the least. But because I love you and because I swore to keep my covenant. Everybody say covenant. He swore that he would keep his covenant. And so that's why he chose him. But this in in verse 17, this is what he says. Now, if you should say in your heart, these nations are greater than I, how can I dispossess them? 
He's speaking to these young people that have come out of that 40 years in the wilderness. All the guys that have been involved in walking over the Red Sea, they were gone except Joshua and Caleb. And so he's speaking to them, and he says, listen, if you should start to get scared, basically, you shall not be afraid of them, but you shall remember well what the Lord your God did to Pharaoh and to all of Egypt. Nowhere in the word of God does it ever say what they did. It says what he did. Everybody say what he did. And he never changes. He's always the same. So it says, the great trials which your eyes saw, the signs, wonders, mighty hand, and the outstretched arm by which the Lord your God brought you out. So the Lord your God do, so shall your Lord God do to all the peoples of whom you are afraid. God knows that you're going to be tempted to be afraid. Now, you know, we're not crossing over in Israel right now, but how many of you know you have an adversary? And he tries to scare you. I mean, he tries to bring fear into your heart. He says, you shall not be terrified of them for the Lord, your God, the great and awesome God. I loved it that we sang that song tonight. Awesome God. He's an awesome God is among you. And the Lord, your God will drive out those nations before you little by little. You'll be able to destroy them at, you will not be able to, you will be able to destroy them at once. Lest the beasts of the field become too numerous for you, but the Lord, your God will deliver them over to you and will inflict defeat upon them until they are destroyed. Isn't that good? How many of you have a few enemies? I mean, the, the enemy, he wants to confuse us in the hour we're living in. That's why I'm sharing this with you tonight. I believe it's why God brought it back to me. It, you return to the basics. Everybody say, go back to the basics. If you want a good ball team, you go back to the basics, and you make sure they know the basics before you take them into the battle. And this is what it goes on and says, and he will deliver their kings into your hand, and you will destroy their name from under heaven. No one will be able to stand against you until you've destroyed them. And then in chapter 10, 11, verse 25, he says, no man will be able to stand against you. The Lord your God will put the dread of you. <laughs> and this is what's so crazy. The body of Christ is scared of the devil. Well, he's supposed to be scared of you. And he is. Listen, he is. He knows. He knows what power you have. It's us who are not exercising that power because we do not understand we are in covenant. And so everything God shows us is a for sure. It is a certainty. It is absolute. It will happen. If we stay in agreement with God, everybody say stay in agreement with God. And so he says, I'll put the dread of you and the fear of you upon all the land where you tread. Now you say, well, I don't know about that. Well, read Joshua too. This is what, this is what uh, Rahab said when the spies went in. She said in verse nine, I know that the Lord has given you the land that the terror of you has fallen on us and that all the inhabitants of the land are faint hearted because of you. Is anybody fainting? Is there anything fainting because you showed up? That's the way it should be everywhere we go. And uh, as God began to speak this to me, you know, I was in a battle of my own. And, um, and the Lord said to me, I, I'm going to read this, what he said to me. You're fighting at a primal level with primal results. I don't even know what primal, I mean primal. You know, it sounds like cavemen or something. You know, I had to go, look, I looked it up. And it says primitive, primitive or primary, like baby, you know, you're fighting, you're fighting in something and you're getting the same results. And this is what he said to me, play the game in a much more productive, fair way that will exalt you above the situation. You need to fight with spiritual weapons, which are exalted over natural weapons. Little kick in the seat of the pants, if you will. Hallelujah. 
But why did he say that to me? Because he knows I have the victory. But I have to believe I have the victory. So I have to get out of playing the game, you know, of, of ta- how many of you ever tried to convince in a situation that is negative against you that, it, you know, it's not really this way, you know, or try to convince somebody that's against you. You can't convince anybody of anything. But in the spirit, everybody say in the spirit, when you take the name of Jesus, when you take the weapons of your warfare, which are not carnal, but are mighty to pulling down strongholds, it says in Second Corinthians 10, 3 through 5. And it says that he gives us armor to put on. So when we fight, we win. You know, there's no armor on your backside. That's because you're not supposed to get chicken. See, because you'll be having a behind full of arrows. So if you're going to run, at least run backward. Hallelujah. Don't turn around. At least, you know, look like you're still frontward. Hallelujah. Do not fear. Everybody say, do not fear. Because God is going to give you what he has promised. You will possess the land. How many of you need some things to be possessed? See, God has been saying to me, I I need you to be on page with me. That's basically what he's saying. I mean, he said it in Amos 3.3. He says, how can two walk together except they be agreed? The things that have to be conquered right now in your life, in my life, in this earth, ha- can only be conquered if you walk in agreement with God. And that whole Amos 3 is, is not about getting married. You know, we say that scripture about married couples. They should be, you know, they should be on the same page. They should be in agreement, same faith. But what it's really about is God saying to the people, you are not walking in agreement with me. Now, you think about your life. I had to think about mine. What he was saying here was, you are not walking in agreement with me, and therefore you are failing miserably to conquer what I'm telling you to conquer. There are things going on. You know, in the last couple of months, things I've heard about, you know, that if, if I didn't believe this, I don't know that I could fight. Because in the natural, what I see is overwhelming to the natural. Everybody say, to the natural. But I'm a supernatural being, not a natural being. And I'm a supernatural being when I make sure that I'm walking in the covenant that God has established through Jesus Christ. Now, in the end of this, um, this is what Brother Copeland said. He said, let God show you what it meant when he gave you his name. John 16, 23. Everybody say, I have his name. Now, listen, that is, that is a very important name. You know, uh, when I was first a Christian and, and I was such a scaredy cat, the people who prayed for me said, you know, just say the name of Jesus. I said, Jesus, 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 Jesus all the time. And, you know, some people would think maybe that isn't good, to, you know, like you're using the name of Jesus. Well, I was. I mean, I was calling on the name of Jesus because they told me the name of Jesus has power. Everybody say power. And this is what it says in that day. Everybody say in that day. Say, we're in that day. You will ask me nothing. Most assuredly, I say to you, whatever you ask the Father in my, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. Now, that doesn't mean you ask him for things that, you know, just, you know, that you'd like to have. And, but, but it's, it's about, not that you can't ask for things that you have need of. But I'm telling you, God wants to meet your needs. And then he wants to meet your wants. But the key is that you understand that you got to hear from him first. Everybody say first. And then you'll do what God tells you to do. And in this particular scripture, it, it goes on from there and it talks about his joy really is complete in us being who he's created us to be. 
That, that makes God happy when we walk with the way he tells us. Matthew 18, 20, or 28, 18 through 20, which Pastor John's been sharing with us. Everybody say authority. He gave us his authority. Jesus came and spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. And then he goes on and says, go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the, what is he saying? It's a covenant. Everybody say, it's a covenant. You are hooked up with God Almighty. And then he goes on in the last verse, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. And then th- the third thing that Brother Copeland put in here was Ephesians six ten. You know, the Bible says that we don't fight against people. We fight against powers and principalities. And how many of you know you, you, the, it's what you see with your natural eyes that you get upset with? But you've got to see beyond that. Everybody say beyond that. Because the battle is in the spirit. And when the spirit battle is won, the flesh battle will settle. Can I say that again? When the spirit battles won, the flesh battle settles. Why? Because the word of God is exalted above everything. And it says in Ephesians 6, 10, and, and this is for every believer. You know, none of us are an exception. This is what we have to do. Everybody say, we'll have to fight. It says, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, you stand therefore. And then it goes on talking about what you do, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. I'm telling you, We are here on purpose, and we are ready. We are ready for the battle. You know, when God begins to do mighty things, the enemy will rise up. He will rise up, and he will challenge us. And uh, no matter how strong you are in your faith, this this is what you have to do. Everybody say, be persuaded. You have to be confident, not just in who God is, but who you are because you are in connection with God. You know, when we do a wedding ceremony, we, we talk about covenant and how it becomes a covenant. And it said in this, in this book, it says that when you become partners, everything becomes equal property. Everything, you know, you exchange with each other. And in the exchange, you become two stronger people into one force. And then it goes on. It says one can put 1,000 to, pl- to flight, but two put 10,000 to flight. See, there's power. Everybody say power. Well, the power you have with Almighty God is way beyond anything like that. And when you recognize that, you begin to take the land. You begin to take the promises that God has told you. As I was doing this, uh, God has been saying to me for over a year now, uh, Hebrews eleven six, And he said, you know, that he is the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. That you, when you come to God, you must believe that he is. And that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. That without faith, everybody say without faith, it is impossible to please God. This relationship is a faith relationship. This is not something that you see in the natural. But when you understand the word of God, it becomes real. And then you have it. And you have it in your own heart. And um, I I just want to share this one thing. And and I share it with 
this with you because I'm watching God be something that I've never seen God be before. And uh, I, uh, there's a person, when I first became the pastor of the church, I, uh, a person, I, I gave up my salary. That's the first thing God told me. Give up your salary. Now, he starts with baby steps. My husband still had a salary. So it wasn't like I was just thrown off into the ditch with no money. You know, Pastor Bill still had some. And if I'm, if I, if I'm nice, he'll give me some money. And, uh, you know, but, but I didn't have my own, you know, and I gave up my salary. And, and then I took no salary for a whole year. And right after that happened, uh, a, a lady came to me and said, I feel like God told me that I'm supposed to lease a car and you'll just drive it. And she has done that ever since then. I mean, I have a nice ride. Really? I had a Mercedes first. That was really something. I mean, I, you know, it, all I knew is it had heated seats and the park is cold in the winter. And when I sit over there, I was really praising God for those heated seats. And, uh, and, and it, it sat up high so I could see better when I drive. And I don't know whether it's because I'm getting older, but I need, I need a bigger view of what's happening around me. And uh, so I loved it. Well, then she took that at the end of the lease, and, and they got that in their family. And she came up here and said, hey, I'm taking that, and here's a new one. And it was a Ford. It was an Edge, and it was very pretty. And she said, don't worry about the miles. How many of you know in a lease there's miles? And I said, but the thing, paper, the paper says that the, there's only so many miles. And she said, please don't be concerned about it. Just drive it. Well, I had gotten this thing in the mail about a week ago. Everybody remember when I said God told me there'd be suddenlies? Well... I got this paper, something about my warranty was up. And I didn't know, so I took it to her. She said, just meet me at the dealership. Well, we get to this dealership, and the guy, she's trying to tell him, you know, I've, I've only had it two years, but I've used up most of the miles. And he said, oh, my. And uh, he didn't write the lease. It was another dealership, and they'd, they'd close that dealership. So he said, well, I'll have to call Ford. She said, well, I have an idea. He said, well, what's that? She said, I think this will fix it. We'll just get her a new one. I said, Today? Like right now, we're going to get a new one? And she said, yeah, where's the new cars? And he said, he's looking at her like I'm looking at her. And she said, right, he said, right, right over there. That was, that's where her husband went. Pastor Bill was with me. We're, we were just stopping off a paper and going to go eat with her. And so she said, well, let's go. We go over there, and she said, here, just pick out whatever one you want. Talk about a suddenly. I suddenly didn't know what I wanted. I mean... And she said, what color do you like? I said, well, what I had was okay. What, what do you want me to get? Because, I mean, she's leasing it. And she said, well, I like that one right there. Do you like it? I said, oh, yeah, that's really pretty. And she said, well, I think that's the one. Go get the keys, she says to this man. <laughs> he, he just, he went. And, uh, <laughs> and as he went, he said, uh, that one's fully loaded. I think he was trying to tell her, do you know what you're doing? And she, you know, she said, perfect. And she gets over there. And all of a sudden, the car starts. And I said, is that man in that car? I didn't even see him go by. I'm just, I am shocked. My husband comes over and he goes, what are you doing? I said, we're getting a car. He said, right now? Same thing. <laughs> and so, here we go. We get in this car. And I mean, it is a beautiful car. An hour and 45 minutes later, I leave the place with this brand new car leaving the salesman who says to her, can I ask you a question? Uh, this is personal, but why are you getting them a car? And she said, well, because they're my pastors. And uh, he said, oh. And she said, besides that, 
when I didn't have a place to live and my parents were moving to Florida and I was in Bible school, she came to my door and said God told her to have her come live with us. And she said, I didn't have anywhere to go. And, and she had, you know, her kids and everything. She said eventually, she, you know, she had her uncle there. There was a lot of us. But she took me in. And now that I'm able, I know God wants me to take care of her and him. They're like my parents, she said. And she said he just went, oh, well, that's a really nice story. I mean, now, the problem was I didn't know how to start it. And that's a major problem. Because we went to a restaurant. I only got a little bit of instruction. And when we got ready to go, Pastor Bill said, you drive. I got in it, and I couldn't make it go. And I, I did everything I could. Finally, she came over, and she goes, is there a problem? I said, I don't know how to make it go. So she got in. You have to step on the brake and push a button, and you don't use a key. And it knows when I'm coming, and it unlocks. Oh, it's a brain. It's got a brain. Um, you know, I was so excited. I, I, my husband and I, we were still stuttering when we got home and pulled that car. And the, really, Pastor Bill said, is she always that decisive? I said, ever since I've known her lately, that's how she acts all the time. But you know what? God reminded me suddenly. And the other thing he reminded me, how would you like to be able to do that? I thought, oh, yeah, I would like to be able to do that. But he said to me, well, I've been asking you to do some things, and you've been doing what I tell you, told you. See, God's stretching us. But he, we're in covenant with an awesome God. Now, you know, I'm, I'm not saying you're, that, that he gave it to me, and, and you're maybe sitting there thinking, well, what about me? Well, I don't know, but I know this. The same God that gave me that car will give you whatever you have need of. Now, there is a condition. Everybody say condition. You've got to give him all of you. If you give him all of you, and listen, this is not always fun. You know, I have my days, just like God said. You're fighting this battle with primal weapons, and you're getting primal results. So stop feeling sorry yourself. Get out of the ditch and come on. We got things to do. Amen? How many of you have things to do? Say this. I will be fully persuaded. It says that that's what Abraham was. He was fully persuaded in Romans chapter 4. Then it says in, in uh, 2 Timothy, in chapter 1, where it says, don't have a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. Then he says, I am fully persuaded that he is able to keep that which he has promised me until that day. Everybody say, fully persuaded. Amen? Are you fully persuaded today? Are you fully persuaded you're in covenant? Everybody say, I'm in covenant. Say, I may not know what it means fully, but I'm going to. Let's stand together tonight. It's, it, you will be who God called you to be like Brother Copeland ended this one. And I love it because it's true. It's exactly what happened in my life. He says, once you realize what Jesus actually meant when he said, this is the new covenant established in my blood, your life will never be the same again. How many of you like to never be the same again? Let's lift our hands. Father, we thank you. We thank you tonight for, for your love. For your love and giving your son, Jesus, so that we could have everything because of his blood on Calvary. We thank you. We thank you that you loved us so much you put your spirit on the inside of us to guide us and to lead us. 
We thank you that we lack no good thing. And I say to you tonight, some of you are standing here and and maybe you don't even have a clue who you are. Maybe you've not received Jesus, so you don't really know who you are in Christ. That's real easy. We said it in the beginning. If you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is the son of God, that he died for your sins. And you confess that with your mouth, you will be saved. Maybe that's where you are tonight. If that's where you are tonight, God wants to deliver you from darkness and put you in the light and give you what he has promised and what he did for you even before you knew him. Maybe you're here tonight. You say, I I really had lost sight of who I am in Christ. I really had lost sight, given up on some things. How many of you, that's you tonight? You just lost sight of maybe what, what you need to be thinking about. Yeah, Father, we thank you in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Maybe you're here tonight and you're thinking, wow, what I heard from God is really true and I'm going after it. Let me see your hands. What I heard is true and I'm going after it because this is what God said to me. Yeah. Father, be it done to them according to your word. Now and unto him who is able to do exceeding abundantly beyond all they ask, hope, or think. Let it be done to them in Jesus' name. Let it be done unto them in their house. Let it be done to them in the lives of their family. Let it be done to them in the lives of those they're believing for tonight. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. We hope you've been encouraged, strengthened, and challenged in your walk with Jesus. If you need prayer for situations in your life, we encourage you to email us at prayer at victorylafayette.org or call our offices at 765-447-7777. If you desire to make Jesus the Lord of your life, or if you've drifted away from the relationship you once had, I encourage you to pray this prayer with me today. Heavenly Father, I believe that you love me. I believe Jesus died for me and rose from the dead. Today, I confess Jesus as my Lord and Savior, and I receive the forgiveness for all my sins. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you come into my life and empower me to live a victorious life. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen.